If you would pray with me and for me, I'm going to be praying with you and for you, and we'll get started. Sound good? Sounds good. Uh, thanks. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you. Man, um, what a beautiful day. Uh, Father, I thank you for the opportunity uh, to gather with your people and, man, just be in community and fellowship and worship and be sharpened um, by other people. And what an awesome, awesome privilege that is. And, Lord, we don't take that for granted that in other countries there are people who cannot meet in your name. Uh, and yet, man, we, we, we so easily forget that and, and take it for granted here that we have a privilege um, to meet and worship in your name. And, Lord, I just ask that you would move today. Move in the ways that people need. God, show yourselves in new ways if needed, Lord. I pray that you would soften hard hearts, uh, break chains, free people, God, as only you can. And, Father, I ask humbly that you would help me to preach your word and only your word and that I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Awesome. How many of you guys, you know what, I should just let you watch it. Let's, we're going to watch a video real quick. Yeah, whoa, exactly. That was pretty cool. Yeah, um, how incredible was that, for real? That was all clearly made with hands. <clears throat> and what I'm amazed by, and, I, and <laughs> in preparation for this, I just had to suffer and watch plenty of shadow puppet stories. Um, and I'm amazed at how realistic uh, these look. There are other ones. You guys can go YouTube it, and you're going to see uh, there's some crazy ones. I couldn't show one of the best ones because of copyright stuff. It did Titanic song. It, I couldn't, couldn't do it. But who here, who thinks these look pretty realistic, honestly? Yeah, pretty crazy. Now, here's a question. Who has shadow puppets at home? Meaning you actually have puppets made of shadow somewhere in your home. Yeah, made of shadow. No one? Yeah. <laughs> Kaylee did the only act. She looked at me like I didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, why not? Kaylee said it. You can't have puppets made of shadow, right? You can't store those in a box. Why? Why? There's no substance. That's actually in my notes. Good. It's not real. You can see them, yes? They can entertain you. You can even put music behind it and lion sounds and whatever. That was a cheetah lion. I don't know. Either way, it's not an actual cheetah lion. So it can sound like it, look like it. It can entertain you. They can look the part, but they're not the real thing. If you want to ride a horse, this is an easy way to tell you. If you want to ride a horse, you're not going to hop on a horse shadow puppet, right? First off, it would look ridiculous because it would be hand-sized. But secondly, you're not going to do it because it's impossible. A horse made of shadow cannot serve its purpose. You aren't going, you aren't going to, if it's raining and pouring, you're not going to go up to your buddy and have him make you a hand shadow puppet house. It's not going to serve a purpose. It's not going to have anything that actually protects you. It isn't real. It has no sur substance. If, I, if you asked me for an apple, and I gave you, I went over to the wall and said, here you go. I assume that looks like an apple. I don't know. Right? You're not going to take a bite, not out of my hand, out of the shadow. It's not going to happen. Why? Because it's not real. But what if I told you I feel really comfortable that this is real? I feel awesome about this apple. Eat it. All my friends are eating shadow apples. Eat it. It's going to be ridiculous and sound ridiculous. Why? Part, what's the difference between a real apple and a shadow apple? Well, there's many differences, but one of the things is that a real apple grows from a tree, and that tree gets water and sunlight and all of those things. 
What if you owned an apple tree? Stay with me. I'll, I'll tie it all together. What if you owned an apple tree and decided you didn't think it needed any water? You were comfortable not giving it water. I, I get it. Me and my friends, we don't water our apple trees at all, okay? I'm not saying wait for the rain. I'm saying you put it inside and you never water it. What's going to happen? Is it going to produce real apples? No, it doesn't matter what you think about it. So then after you do that, you don't have real apples, so you decide to just come out and show everyone shadow apples. Look, it's growing stuff. And it may be. You may have product, but it has no substance. Now, what if you wish really hard, or what if everyone in this room says that apple trees can grow apples without sunlight or water, and we all agree on that? Will that change reality? No. Your reality doesn't dictate truth. Your reality doesn't. Reality, right? Let me move away from shadow puppets for a second. Okay, I'll come back to this. What if I told you you're going in for a surgery, all right, and I show up, me, Todd, all right? You're going to have open-heart surgery, and I come in, and I'm putting the mask on, Corey, and I'm getting my hands rubbed and ready. i got to quit saying people's names. They think I do that to everyone. Anyway, I'm I'm ready to go. I put my gloves on. I'm going to grab my scalpel. You're still awake, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to take your heart out. I'm going to fix it up, give you a new one, all right? All right. Are you going to sit there and let me? Okay, why not? Some of you don't know me, because I'm what? I'm not a doctor, but I say I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. Listen, guys, I'm going to make you feel better. I'm completely comfortable with the amount of training I have, because I've watched ER five times. I've watched ER five times. I'm completely comfortable with my training. Yeah, right? And that's not just, it's not just you are. We all, this is, you ready for some sanity? We all know collectively, as human beings, we have said in order to be a surgeon, we're not even talking about a good or a bad one, to be a surgeon, you have to have met, do certain things. You have to do certain training. You know, the surgeon doesn't get to walk in and say, today, sorry, I don't want to learn about hearts. I just want to learn about feet. I still want to do heart surgery, but I just want to focus on feet because that makes me comfortable. Why you'd be comfortable with feet, I don't know. They're confident in that. Well, okay, you ready for an even crazier story? What if I could come here? You still know me. I'm still taught. I have already admitted to you. I've not been to medical school. I guess it's important. Whatever. And I show up, and I have 100 people that agree with me that I am trained because I've watched ER. And they say, yes, we're confident in Todd's ability because he's watched ER, and so have I, and we can all do surgery. That's insanity, Right? That would, we would say that's insanity. What if, there, what if he was part of a hospital that all they said was, you can be a surgeon at this hospital as long as you've watched eight episodes of ER. And it's a big hospital and it looks fancy and it has money and all these other things. Are you still, do you want to go have your surgery there? No. Of course not. Why not? Listen, stay with me. Because a surgeon is defined by a certain set of criteria, right? It doesn't matter what, we, we, we all disagree on a lot of things. We may even disagree on which is the best medical school, okay? But we are not going to disagree on the fact that you need to go to medical school to be a surgeon. We don't just get to decide what a surgeon is or isn't by what makes us feel comfortable. Now, I know, stay, I mean, this is kind of deep, at least for me. Maybe you guys are like, Todd, no, we get it. Really think about that. 
Isn't it interesting that we, as a, as a society of human beings, we didn't have aliens come down and tell us how to be surgeons, at least we don't think, right? We just assumed, we have learned surgeons have to do this. We have all collectively as a society across the world said this is what doctors are. This is what medical doctors are. They go here, they learn this, they perform this, that's doctors. That is what doctors are. Regardless of the random guy, because every now and then you hear about the person performing surgeries without training, right? Does it usually go well? No, it goes terribly wrong. But they were confident in it, confident enough to charge money. The same is true of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, before we start, I'm not talking about salvation here, okay? That's a different issue. But if you are a disciple, that means you follow. If you call yourself Christian, then our comfort or discomfort, my comfort or discomfort is irrelevant because we don't define what makes one. He does, and I'm, we're going to talk about that in a second. I'm not going to tell you that because that'd be, I'm going to tell you what he said. He is Christ. He says to follow me, this is what it is. If you're my disciple, this is what it is. Who is teaching us? What he is teaching us? Who we follow? What we follow shows what we are. No matter what label we put on ourselves. Yesterday, before I go on, because whenever I do things like this, I have messages by the end you'll see. Typically people think I'm passive-aggressively speaking about them. I'm not. I'm going to start by saying, if anything, I'm, I'm aggressively speaking about myself because I will be honest with you. Saturday, Saturday, I think, I'm going through my second round of P90X. I just want to brag. But anyway, I'm trying. I'm trying. And I'm literally sweating on the floor. Sweat is pouring. And in that moment, God can get you anywhere. I was hit with conviction. Conviction that I've been focusing so much on one part of my journey of my following Jesus, and maybe I was doing that well, that I was doing it at the exclusion of other parts. And because I was doing that well and it made me comfortable, I excluded these other parts. And I tell you, friends, I'll say it, I was convicted. And then I started thinking in general how we do that all the time. Do you know what I hear all, all the time? And I'm telling you right now, it isn't just you. If you've said this to me, I'm not just talking about you. When I say all the time, I hear it all the time. I hear, well, I don't think that's an issue. I feel comfortable with this. I'm okay with this. Me, me, we, we. I've done it. Here's what I've come, I had this epiphany. I believe we, and I've contributed to this, we have created a counterfeit Christianity that's actually based on forming Christ around us, our desire, our comfort, me, I, instead of it being us formed around and conforming to the image of Christ. We put the suit on us instead of forming ourselves around him. And that's why there's a lot of confusion. See, some of you probably, whether you've been here, you might have culture shock, or you go somewhere else, you might get culture shock. A lot of times, that's the problem, is that you don't get a consistent Jesus because not everyone preaches the real Jesus. Not everyone tells you the truth. Listen, you can, and this is both sides of the board, you can be the ones that say, don't do this or do that. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. And then the ones that make it all about the rules and regulations, they're still creating their own version. We pick and choose Ask yourselves this, because I have. Can you be honest? Have you ever, we pick and choose based on our comfort. We create and pick teachings that make us comfortable and happy instead of trying to seek the truth in the word of God. That's the truth. 
And some of you in this room that aren't Christians, but you're interested, that's been part of the problem, and I apologize, is that in order to make you feel comfortable, they have told you a counterfeit version that has no power because it isn't Jesus. Sometimes we are shadow puppet Christians. We have no substance nor power. We wonder why, why, Jesus, I'm following you. I've put my faith in you, and you probably are saved. But why? Because that's different, right? I believe that. I believe to, to, be, to be saved is the acceptance of Christ, okay? And they, they go together, but I do think things come in stages. We're all humans. And I think sometimes we stop there. We stop and we say, I've accepted you as Savior, but maybe I'm not living with you as Lord. I'm not following you. It confuses the message and dilutes the truth. And sometimes what happens is what starts out feeling comfortable ends up being a weight because you wonder, why, doesn't, why isn't this alive? Because if you're not following him, right, maybe you avoid some of the hard stuff, but you're also going to miss the good stuff. We have to do what he says to be called a disciple, not what we want. And you want to know the truth? I don't like that always. I don't like that. I don't. I tend to put, you know, isn't it funny that the word self-righteous can mean something different depending on who's saying it? Right? Maybe I call you self-righteous because I think you're arrogant. And you call me self-righteous because I'm calling you arrogant. Right? You see what I'm saying? We have to do what he says to be called a disciple, not what we want. There has to be a standard. He has never created a partial disciple. Listen, we see people like Peter that take detours. <laughs> they, get, they get lost for a second, lost. They stumble, they fall, but they get back and up and follow him. The difference between Peter and Judas, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, is not the nature of their sin, it's the response to the stumble. We found out who was the disciple and who wasn't by what they did when they fell. What they did when they hit the detour. Did they follow him or did they create their own way? Judas felt guilt. He did. It's easy for us to say he was evil and didn't care. A person that's evil and didn't care Evil, right, in our sense, doesn't kill himself out of, of grief and shame. But he was never a disciple. He never really got it. I believe he liked parts of Jesus. He wouldn't have kept following him, right? He, there was a cost sometimes to following him. He even talked about it. It came to money. There was a cost. He, he paid a minor cost, but he wasn't willing to go to the cross, right, all the way. He's never had a partial disciple. Either we take up our cross, die to self, and follow him, or we aren't a disciple. Or at least we're not following. That's reality. Now, here's the kicker. I'm not talking about when we, and this is why I want to make this uh, preface before we continue. I'm not talking about when we fail to meet the standard, when we try and humbly, and in our sinfulness and our brokenness, sometimes we stumble and we fall. I'm not talking about perfectionism. I'm talking about not whether or not we always meet the standard. I'm talking about whether we change the standard to make ourselves comfortable. Grace is not changing the standard so that we meet it. It's bridging the gap between us and the standard. I'm talking about when we change the standard to make us comfortable. We have to realize that the very nature, listen, this is so important. The very nature of following Jesus has a cost. The least of which is our comfort. 
See, the danger, I had a talk with some friends this week about that. I love overseas ministry, and I don't think everything has to be either or. I don't. I don't think you have to be a church committed to one, but I am so passionate about this country and ministry. Do you know why? Because it's lost in a very different way. They're all lost because everybody thinks they're following Jesus. Everybody does. There's a church on every corner. But Scripture tells us very plainly that narrow is the way that lead the life. So realistically, statistically, whether the church is doing the right thing or not, and that's not what we're talking about, is it filled with believers? No, because they've been told, sometimes told and sometimes they choose, a version, a Jesus that isn't Jesus. Jesus meets you where you're at. He accepts you where you're at. But the true Jesus will never leave you there. He won't. Sometimes I think that I just make a shadow puppet. I say, Lord, you're asking me this. I'll give you an appearance of it. You're wanting me to do that? I'll I'll make it look that way. Maybe I'll even add sound effects like a lion, right? Maybe I'll do that. We get angry, don't we? Some of you in this room get very angry when you're told. See, everybody says amen, amen, until they're faced with their own shadow puppets, until the things that make you uncomfortable. Then it's, well, what's he saying? That's your view of it, Todd, right? My goal is to never get you to take my view. My goal is to get you to go to the word of God, not to find something that backs your view, but to find the truth. And that's in every department, in every, in multiple arenas, guys. Because Jesus knew that. Did you know? Jesus knows that we'll follow him until it makes us uncomfortable. He knows it. He talks about it. And we're going to talk about it right now. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Gospel of Luke chapter 14. And we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 33. Now, I am reading from the HCSB, which they have now changed just to the CSB. It's just a name change, same Bible. So in case you were looking around sometimes, you can't find HCSB, it's the CSB. I'll just dive right in. Now, great crowds were following with him. Who do you think him is? Jesus. So he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see, this is good, if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers, the crowd, will begin to make fun of him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to to finish or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he has if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000 if not while the other is still far off he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace in the same way therefore every one of you every one of you who does not say goodbye to all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Are you ever like me and you read through Jesus' words sometimes and you skip the last sentence? 
because you just assume you already know, right? I'm a disciple, clearly. He's telling me to calculate the cost, but I don't need to read the part that says, if you don't, you cannot be my disciple. That doesn't sometimes fit my paradigm, right? I don't want to deal with the reality of that. Now, before you all go, yes, yes, I want to tell you what he, like, I want you to think about what he's saying. First, I want to point out something. It starts off by telling us great crowds were following him. He was popular at this point. Isn't that nuts? We don't think of it that way. We always remember the end. Did you know what parts of the story? He was very, very popular. That's why the religious people and even Rome were concerned about him. He was popular. Crowds were following him. They were worried. Is this guy going to try to do another uprising? He's going to read a rebellion? You know, there's enough people behind him that they're concerned. So they must have liked what he had to say at this point. If someone comes to you and says, I've come to heal you and free you, to bring you into the kingdom, you're, that's pretty good. I'm down for that. And then you see him perform miracles. He's healing people. This is a good deal. I think I'm going to stick by this guy. And then he, makes, he feeds thousands. of You're hungry. He feeds you. This is working out great. All I got to do is keep following him. And good, good things happen. And interesting, I love Jesus so much for many, many reasons. But guys, understand he's real, okay? He walked this earth, he's still earth, he's still alive. But this is so beautiful. I just love him because he's doing it to us. It's always at the times that you, he doesn't need to. He's got the crowd and he says, hmm. And he says to the crowd that are following him to that point. He said, if anyone, this is so good. I'm going to explain in a minute. Just think about this. You're following him. He's doing all this good stuff. Then he turns and says, if you don't hate your family, if you don't hate your mom and your dad and your brother and sister, you can't follow me. Half the crowd leaves, right? Would leave. Let me tell you how I know that because I get this question all the time on Real Talk. I get it all the time. Todd, am I supposed to actually hate my family? That seems weird. It does, doesn't it? It does. It seems weird. He's saying that. If you don't hate them, how many of you, I don't want to raise your hand. How many of you would have a problem hating them? Raise your hand. You'd have a problem hating your family. Five of you. The rest of you must. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. That's good, right? You, raise... you don't want to hate anyone, right? Jesus is love. Stay with me. I want you to consider this. We're not... Don't say it out loud. You get to teach in a little bit. Why is he saying it then? If Jesus is love, which he is, why would he say that? Why would he say at the moment when he's most popular, the very thing that will make him less popular? Stay with me. Think of that. Then he comes down and gives another example. And he says, ready? He says, if you, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So you're like, well, I guess I can dislike my family. I guess I hate them. All right, fine, Jesus. I'm still here. The crowd's winnowing out, right? Oh, I'm going home. I love my mom, right? The next person, he's like, okay, you got you guys. Now, if you don't carry your cross to us, we're like, it's no big deal. I'll carry a cross to those people. In the Roman Empire, to the Jews, the cross had a different meaning. The cross meant death. The cross meant humiliating, shameful execution. So now he says, if you're not willing to be executed shamefully with me, you cannot be my disciple. Half the crowd be gone if they're honest. Then he goes on to give us examples. He tries to make a point, right? If you build a tower, if you guys build a house, who just goes out and starts building? Some of you might. But you don't when it comes to a house, right? you got to lay the foundation. you got to get everything set. Then you don't even just lay. Imagine laying the foundation and going, okay, well, we're going to build a house. 
You just start nailing boards. I'm going to be honest. Maybe some of you could. Me, it'd be disastrous. It wouldn't even look like a doghouse. I can't even tell you what it'd look like. I'm trying to think in my head. It would be some sticks with a sheet over it, pretty much a, pretty much a, a fort that you'd put in your living room. That's what I would create. Right? You have to plan it. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? How many rooms are we going to have? If you saw, if one of you, right, anybody, if I come up to you and I said, hey, Bob, there's no Bob in here, right? That's a safe name. Hey, Bob, I'm going to build a house. He's like, cool, when are you going to do it? I'm going to do it tomorrow. Oh, what kind of house are you going to build? Not sure yet. But I'm going to build it by Tuesday. Right? He's saying, his point is, everybody, because he stay with me. Remember, I already asked you, why would he say those things? Why would he say the family? Hate your family. Why would he say, uh, be willing to die? And then he talks about counting the cost some more. And then he talks about a king goes to war. Listen, a king, interestingly, which king is he referring to? He's sort of speaking for the king that has less troops. Going to lose. Right? If there's two of us, right? It doesn't matter who it is. Might be, I'm going to say a name again. I can't. Ernie, right? We're scrappers, right? Maybe me and Ernie. And there's... We might be tough guys, but if there's 80 people, I'm not, he is. If there's 80 people, we're probably going to go, I don't know if this is a good idea, right? Hey, that's cool. Anyway, yeah, probably that's not a good idea. That would be foolish. We'd be going, hmm, hmm, you guys want to be friends instead, right? And then here, listen, this is good. This is so good. He doesn't, he just, Jesus, guys, listen to me. Don't ever say he didn't try to warn you. Because he tries to tell us, ready? And he ends it the way he started it. He said, in the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not say goodbye to all his possessions, not some, not a couple, not 99%, all of them, cannot be my disciple. Well, the rest of you are gone, including me. Why would he say all those things? Well, clearly today, you guys have clothes on. Most of you drove in cars. (laughs) Right? You have food, you got some of you, most of you have TV, cell phones on. So you didn't sell all your possessions, but you're still a Christian. So his point, ready? This is why parables, he used them. He's trying to get us to get something deeper. Why? What's the expectation for us to sell everything we own? I'm going to tell you a story quickly. This is where I give you a personal story to connect us. That's what they do, right? So in this church, we had a, a, a couple a while back, or people, right? I should say people, keep it general. And we were talking in our life groups about Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2, you actually saw it if you saw our intro. It's what we, you know, that's the dream, right? And the dream is this beautiful picture where they spent time together and, and ate together and, you know, even sold their possessions to take care of each other if need be. And the guy literally, and he got all mad. He was very angry, like legit angry. And I only found out about it because he, as usual, by the way, if you have a problem with me, please come talk to me. Please don't go talk to everyone else. It's so silly. But anyway, eventually he comes, so I call him up, and I'm talking, and he says, you know, Todd, I just, you know, you, you're talking about, you, you want me to sell all my, all my uh, possessions and give it to everybody in the church. I'm not kidding. He said, that's what you're trying to say we should do? That's cult talk. That's what he said. He used the big C word. By the way, in this room, that's the word you do when you want to hurt a pastor. You talk about cults, right? You don't know what a cult is. Go look it up, all right? I'd be much wealthier and have many more wives. <clears throat> it's not a cult. Listen, I said to him this, no, I'm not saying that. But I, and I said this to him, I said, but if God told you to, would you? The point here Jesus is saying is that's the level of cost you must be willing to pay to follow him. And he uses strong words, right? The, all these different scenarios, because one of those hit every single person in this room. 
Some of you, it's, it's possessions. You can sit here and say, yeah, Lord, I give, I give, I give. No, you don't. You don't give to the point where it's all taken away. Some of you in the room are like, oh, I don't like my great uncle Tom, but, so I hate everyone. He's like, no, no, no. In comparison to me, if they all said we are not going to be with you, we hate you unless you renounce Jesus, that you would still walk away. You would still follow him. Some of you in this room wouldn't do that. Or maybe you've never faced with that reality. And then the last one that everyone in this room would struggle with. Would you die to follow me? Right? Die, that's multiple reasons. Sometimes it's literal, but sometimes it's die to self. Die to my desires all the time. Because guys, listen, certainly as time goes on, we hope, that's the prayers, we're sanctified. That means be made holy, more and more like him. It's a process that our will aligns with the Father's will, and we want the same things. But I bet, do you guys sometimes what things God doesn't want you to have? Of course you do. Of course you do. Paul himself talks about it. If Paul, who heals people, saw Jesus, heard, says, I don't do what I want to do and do what I don't want to do, that means he, I find this war within me, then certainly you do as well. Why am I saying all this? It's the willingness it's the willingness. Stay with me. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 30 and 32. As he was saying these things, who's he? Jesus, capitalized, that'll be your hint. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Stop. He was saying these things. What was he saying? Hey, I forgive you of your sins. I'm, gonna, I'm here to bring forgiveness and healing and love, and you're going to be brought into the kingdom, and God's keeping his promise. I'm the fulfillment of everything God told you is coming. And it said, go back to that real quick. It said what? Many believed in him. Why? Because it's the good stuff. Good meaning the stuff. It's all good. The stuff we are comfortable with. And then go on. And Jesus once again said to them, who did he say it to? To the Jews who had believed in him. This is so big. To the ones who believed they said they believed. Why would he say this to them if they believed? He said it because he said, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. So the implication is there are people that, that believe him, but they don't follow. You will know this is beautiful. And if you do, you follow. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Guys, it's a weird dichotomy, the gospel. We must submit to be free. We must submit to be free. That's why Paul says it and Jesus says it. Everyone's a slave to something. You can be a slave. Use that phrase intentionally, right? To meaning truly follow, to, to rely upon either to sin or to righteousness. You cannot be both. If you continue in my word, what? His teachings. Now remember, they, he had believed them up to this point. The implication is, why would he warn them if they're already believing him? Because there's teachings that are coming that are going to be hard to swallow. Will you continue in it? Will you continue in it? Will you follow when it has a cost? Which teachings? Which ones? Well now, jump with me. I don't do this often, but today, we typically stick with one section. But today we're going to be 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Which teaching? All scripture. All. I know, it's hot in here. Maybe not for some of you, just to me. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking. That's the one we don't like. 
You don't mind teaching because you get to pick and choose, right? I'm learning. Rebuking is you're wrong. Change. For correcting, hey, you got to change. For training in righteousness. So that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Oh, man. All Scripture. When I told you, this was Saturday, I was laying on the ground, sweat's pouring off me on my phone, it was gross. But when I was sitting there, why did I tell you that? I don't know. When I was sitting there, I was even more hit by my grossness sometimes. How I can use my, how well I follow certain teachings of Jesus to justify the ways that the others that I don't. I hear that all the time. You know another thing I hear all the time? Oh, I'm getting better at that. I've been better. If you have to say that, you're making excuses. Because you already know that you're not doing it. Picking and choosing. Do you find yourself saying, and I promise you, please believe me, I was so hesitant, but I love you guys to do this because I know, you know, I talk to a lot of people. I'm not talking about anyone specific. I'm starting with myself, so don't, don't, eh, who cares if you think that, I guess, at the end of the day. But I feel comfortable with, I don't think it's wrong. That may be what you get out of it, but not what I get out of it. You ready for this? This punched me in the face. Who's the authority? Who's the authority then? I. I don't agree with it. I'm comfortable with it. There's no mention of God. Unfortunately, because in our brokenness and our sinfulness, we don't always care what God thinks. And you know what's scary? Is you're going to be able to find a lot of people that agree with you. Remember this? A great crowd was following him. There's going to be people that tell you that what you, that if anyone, this is funny, everyone, I'm probably too real. So if anything, I'm, I'm often, I'm hated by both sides many times, okay? What I mean by that is sometimes people will say you take grace too far. And what they imply is that I don't believe in sin, whatever. You guys that have been at the remnant know that's not the issue, right? And then sometimes I te- other people will tell you, well, I, how condemning is he? He told you that Jesus said something is wrong. He's condemning. No, I'm not. Condemning means you don't have hope. There's always hope in Jesus. It has nothing to do with whether or not something is true or right. Okay? So that's just me venting. It doesn't matter. But with that, you're going to find people that tell you, hey, Jesus loves you right where you're at. And what they're really saying is, he doesn't want you to change at all. That is never the message. It's I love you right where you're at. I can't wait until you become what I see. Because remember, he sees the end. I can't wait to go on this adventure with you. I can't wait to see how you're going to grow into this because it says that he is faithful to finish the good work he started in you. Right? I can't wait. But even though I see that, you still got to get up and follow me. Maybe you're in the room and nobody's ever said anything to you even. You're so good at it that you can fool me, you can fool everyone else, you can do it, you, you're, but you're still only following to a certain point. And what's the point? The point, guys, is always what Jesus was bringing up the first point. People always follow him until it has a cost. Yeah. The first thing it's going to cost you, right, is your pride. 
That's the very first thing it's going to cost you to follow Jesus because the very act of submitting to him means you've got to admit you don't have it together. It's okay to admit it the first. By the way, some of you are okay admitting it one time, but really, again, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get him to go, you're awesome. Just keep being awesome. You know, stay where you're at. But you imagine that, and before you say that's not loving, think of your children. What if you had your toddler and you're like, you know what, you just stay in your diaper. You don't need to be potty trained. I love you right where you're at. You just keep eating that finger food. You just, right? Imagine that, a 40-year-old baby in diaper eating baby food. That's not love. You tell your children because you know what they could be and you help them become what they should be. The other side of it is, and this, this is, I've been thinking, if I'm honest, sometimes I know how I'm going to say this, and other times I have no idea. And this is one of those times where I'm like, Lord, I hope you help me explain this because I know the concept, but putting it from here to here is going to be tough. It creates a powerless Christianity. Now, what do I mean by that? Jesus, we are told that, um, that we can overcome, right? We are told um, that, you know, we, we can be armored, right? Put on the full armor of God. We have access to this equipment. We have access to the shield of faith. We have access to the belt of truth. We have access to these things, but here's the kicker. Why did Paul say put them on? Because there has to be some effort to do those things and live out of them. So if someone tells you there's no war, if someone tells you you don't need a shield, if someone tells you you don't need a sword, and you go into battle, what's going to happen? You're going to get hurt badly. The people you love are going to be hurt. And you're going to look back at God because they told you that's who Jesus was and say, you didn't tell me I needed these things. It is a powerless Christianity to make your own version. It has no power. I'm guilty, guys. I do this. I can't stand (laughs) Pharisees, but in doing that, I become one. But I don't, right? And so sometimes, you know, in my desire to fight them, because I tell myself, you ready? I tell myself, well, I'm standing up for people that are weaker, which sometimes I am. But when I go on the offensive, right? When I, when I allow myself to hate someone, when Jesus said, you, they say to love your friends, I tell you to hate, I mean, I tell you to love your enemies. Do I love my enemies? Do I? Do I even make an effort to? I'm not talking about the feelings. Some of you get confused by that. Love is not a feeling, it's a choice. You can't control your feelings. I certainly don't feel love for my enemies, but I can be loving to them. Love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs. Right? It says when your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. When he's hungry, give him something to eat. And in doing so, essentially, I'm going to paraphrase, they're going to say something's different and it's going to point them to God. It's just an example of me. What's yours? What's yours? Are you a shadow puppet? Are you? If you find yourself really, really mad at me right now, beyond like who I am, by what I'm saying, because who I am, that's fine. But by what I'm saying, then you might, that might be your answer. And I pray, and I mean this, whether it's me or someone else, or whether it's the Holy Spirit on your own someday, you will understand that even if the messenger is flawed, that what I'm saying to you from his own word is true. And getting mad at me or your other pastor, whoever else tells you that, isn't going to change the truth. 
You're not going to change the truth. You have to be changed by the truth. She's going to come play some music. And I want you guys, all scripture is inspired by. See, sometimes we, we look at God's word and we say, well, I like the part that's for teaching, and I like the part that's for training in righteousness. I don't like the part for rebuking or correcting. I don't like that part. By the way, I'm a bit of a rebel. I don't like that part either. But if I want what? If I want to be complete and equipped for every good work, it's all got to be there. I used to skip the book of Job. I hated it. Hated it. Didn't get it. And you know what? If I'm really honest, I hated it without reading the whole thing. I read the first, like, four chapters. Like, this is ridiculous. And then I read the end, and I'll never forget. If you've been at the church, you remember this. I've only preached over Job probably one time. But it changed my life. Because in that, in that, that discomfort, I learned more about God than I had in a lot of times before that when I just focused on the parts that made me comfortable. Because the one thing I can tell you is that he's good. And that everything he tells you, the stuff that makes you uncomfortable, the stuff that makes you anxious, the stuff that, that you get mad about, this, all of those things, it is for your good. He's telling us what it was like before sin entered, before brokenness. Before disease, before all those things. And he's telling us how to live while he works on part where someday he comes back and fixes it all, right? Act like the people you're going to be when the kingdom is fully here, right? You see what I'm saying? The kingdom is here, by the way. Do you know that? He says that the kingdom of God is here now. We're in it. He hasn't forgotten about us. He hasn't forgotten about you or me. And someday, and I could give you a hundred parables. I had so many verses. I did, Tim. I had a bunch. I cut them down. Because there's this message, this overarching message about warnings, about coming back and finding servants that aren't ready, about coming back and finding servants that didn't think he was coming back, about coming back and finding servants who have excuses and justifications and all of these things as to why they didn't do what he told them to do. It's, you know, the Bible says there are going to be people that are saved as, be, as by through fire. Right? And what that means is a good picture is imagine that your house is burned down and you get out, you jump off the second floor and you're alive, but you're a little singed and you look and your entire house is burned down. You're safe, but you also grieve what you had. You grieve what could have been. And then it says, he compares that to a different path that says, well done, good and faithful servant. Here is the crown that I have for you. Right? Here's the place that I've prepared. We're all there, but I want to be that one. I want to be that one. That's why he says things like being refined through fire, right? All, everything is the same message. Things get hot in fire, right? You want gold? He tells us that. You want gold? You got to get rid of that impurity. You got to get rid of those things. And that only comes through fire, through the cost. And isn't that true of anything in life? You want to be in better shape? You want to run a marathon? You're not going to roll out of bed and run a marathon. You might, but you're going to make it to the end, I promise. You got to train. You got to do what he says. My question is, listen, not to me, not my, are you a shadow puppet? Are there areas in your life that you have not submitted to God? 
What could Jesus say that would have made you left the crowd? Maybe it isn't those. Maybe you're one of those special people, and there are, that those three things don't bother you. I believe there's people that would die tomorrow. I believe there's people that would do this, give up all the possessions. I believe there's people that would do that, but there's something. You see story after story. The rich young ruler, Jesus says, just did you do these things? I've done them all. And it says Jesus loved him in that moment because he had. And then I believe there was probably a wry smile tinged with sadness as he said to him, that's okay. I just want you to leave all your stuff now and come follow me. Give it to the poor. And it says the man walked away sad because he had many possessions. See, when the moment came that he had to pay the thing he didn't want to pay, he wasn't willing. What's your thing? What's your thing? Have you decided to be comfortable over following? I have in some ways. Do you try to change Jesus and his teachings to fit you and what you want? Or are you willing to be uncomfortable and deal with it? Because in the dealing with it, there's beauty. I promise. My wrestling with Job, I, I, that's a great example, man. Like that's, Now it's one of my favorites when you understand the message. It only comes at the end, right? And sometimes that's the way it is. Sometimes it's like, gosh darn it, I hate this, Lord. And then you look back and you go, man, I'm glad I did that. Are you willing to be uncomfortable and deal with it, or are you just create your own counterfeit, counterfeit version of Christianity and discipleship? Do you? If your discipleship, this is hard to hear. Listen, I know we're almost done. If your discipleship has no cost, is always comfortable, then hear me. You are most likely, in fact, I would say you are not at least completely following Jesus. There's a cost. Sometimes it's friends, isn't it? Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's, ah, man, it could be a hundred things, right? I mean, I could think over and over. Sometimes it's the discomfort of working through hard things because God told his people to be at peace and you got to work through it and it's a mess and it's ugly and it's way easier to run off, right? I had a situation like that this week, but by the end it was beautiful because we did what we were supposed to in that moment. Even though if you ask anyone in the, in the room that time, no, we would all said we'd be rather doing a hundred different things. If your discipleship has no cost, is always comfortable in hearing me, you're not following Christ. There is always a cost, the least of which is your comfort. Christianity is not a label. It is life. You don't get to put it in a box. You don't. I'm serious. There's not your work box and your family box and your church box and your interest box. That's not how it is. There is your giant box called following Christ, and within that, you do all of those things. So whether you are a teacher, you're not a teacher and a Christian. You are a Christian teacher, right? You're a, you're a disciple who teaches. If you're a manager, you're not a Christian manager. You're a manager, right, who follows Christ. It's who you are. You're a follower of Christ who manages. You're a follower of Christ who teaches. You're a follower of Christ who leads. You're a follower of Christ who fights. If you're, so, you're a follower of Christ who is a police officer. Those are just the things you do. They're not who you are. Don't get confused on that. Because a lot of hopelessness comes from that because it's a very subtle thing. It's so easy to let the things you do, and sometimes they're even celebrated, become who you are. 
And no matter how many accolades you get though, right? No matter how much money, your friends or whatever, you still sit down at night and go, something's not right. And it's not right because it doesn't bring life. Are there things you know that you've been picking and choosing over in in, in God's word, in this faith, right? All right, God, I'm cool with the training and I'm cool with the equipping. I'm not good with the rebuking. That's not God. God is love. Isn't it fascinating that we have changed the definition of love because we cannot change the definition of God? Hear me? God is God, but love means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So who defines it? If it goes by what you or I think is loving, we all got a different view of it. We got to go to the word of God. We got to conform to it, change to it. Trust in the times we fail. I'm not preaching a perfectionist. You notice I didn't even say much about whether or not you did well at the things you're doing. I just ask, are you following? That's the question I've asked myself. That's the repentance I've brought in my own life. And I say it in front of you guys. I want to follow him. So we call this time altar time. It's just a chance for you to sit in a few moments. It can be at your chair. It can be up here. It can be praying with the people. Whatever you feel the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, obey it. Don't worry about which one's uncomfortable. Do what he's telling you to do. Because I promise you this, in that is the beauty. Whatever God's telling you to do today, whether it's to turn away from those things, whether it's to focus on other things, whatever it is, Maybe it's just sitting and thanking him. Do it. Whatever you do, do not leave the same as you came in. Do not leave being content with being shadow puppets, following a counterfeit Christianity. Whatever you do, do not leave the same as you came in because if you do, you are choosing to.